Let's go! Let's go! Hey there, this is the John Krasinski Show. This is our second annual Timberwolves season kickoff show here at Head Flyer Brewing. Once again, a great crowd. Thank you for coming out. We do appreciate it. And once again, we're joined by the great Michael Grady. Love having him here. Uh, he does a great job on the broadcast. He's a cool guy. We really like having him here. Thank you for taking the time, Michael. We do appreciate it. Everybody give him a hand, please. Thank you. Just to take care of the basics, this is part of TalkNorth.com. Go to the website, subscribe at your favorite podcast app, listen that way, it's free, it's easy, we appreciate it. We're going to have Steve Terry from TSR Injury Law on here later. You all know Steve, great guy, great fan, we're going to have him up here later. Um, and we will also take live questions. We have, a, you know, we have a mic right here for live questions. Once we get a little of the show, come on up, ask your questions. That's always a, one of our favorite things to do here when we're live. And, uh, John, tell us about the giveaways we have tonight. Yeah, I'm glad you guys all made it out because we got a lot of awesome giveaways tonight. And it starts with three sets of four Timberwolves tickets to the game of your choice. So um, you bring your friends. It's not just for one of you to get in. It's going to be uh, you can have a party and, and, and show up to anyone, any game that you want that they have tickets for. So we'll give those out at the end. We also have for fans of the show, a bunch of Manscaped paraphernalia. So we have Performance Package 5.0, we have the Beard Hedger, we have some colognes and some lotions and things like that that will get you all set up on a Friday night after this. This is kind of a male-dominated area right now. Hopefully, after the show, there's maybe some female involvement. You can have your Manscaped stuff to help you get there. And so we have that, and we also have some <laughs> other Head Flyer giveaways as well. To, uh, to really kick this off. Thanks to Neil, to Megan, to everyone for hosting us. And uh, this has been a great partnership, and let's have some fun tonight. We're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studios. We want to thank Head Flyer Brewing for all their support for all the network shows, especially the John Krasinski Show. Thanks also to TSR Injury Law, Steve Terry's firm, All Energy Solar, Manscaped, which gives us the great John Krasinski commercials, Tony Hoagland, your State Farm agent. All right, enough of that. Let's get to it. So when we kicked off the season last year, John was hanging from the chandelier, <laughs> punching people in the neck. Yep. People were going crazy. I think this team has a chance of, of being really good. Are we going to be able to get the same amount of enthusiasm going at this time this year? So, yeah, I think I remember last year I, like, jumped on top of one you of did. These, these chairs. And I, there was, I mean, there was a nice weather out. We had a huge crowd. I had, like, four of these before. I've only had two of these now. So um, I'm a little bit more muted, but, um, but I do think that this team is the most talented team I've covered. And this is the 20th season that I've done it. And so a lot of things have to happen for it to come together, but from one through like 11 or 12 in the roster, uh, I think there's more talent now than any of them that I've seen. And so there should be a lot of enthusiasm. There should be a lot of optimism. I know there's some scars from last year of like being a little underwhelming and some of the things that we saw, but this is a really good team, and if they stay healthy, I think they can win a lot of games. Michael? A lot of reason for enthusiasm, and last year, I was just stepping in. I have an optimistic <laughs> spirit, and yeah. so um, I, I certainly had high hopes, but comparing what I saw in training camp last year 
to what I've seen so far in training camp this year, it's night and day. Last year, Cat was sick. Gobert had knee issues. Ant admitted he was out of shape. It was a sluggish training camp. This year, so many guys participated in the FIBA World Cup. Guys were coming in cut, sharp, ready to go. And it's looked like that in training camp so far. The competitive energy, especially when you mentioned how deep the roster is, the third team is going out there and battling and playing hard and competing. So they say it's corny, iron sharpens iron, but these guys are really pushing each other, and it looks like a damn good basketball team right now. Again, we haven't, we haven't gotten to real games yet, but just from what I've seen in training camp, night and day difference from last year. What I remember last summer was getting fired up for the season and think this is going to be great. And then, like, the first time I went to practice, I looked at Carl Anthony Towns and it looked like he'd been doing a crash diet. Yeah. And no kidding. He, he, yeah. he was sick. He yeah. was very yeah. sick. Yeah. And it felt like nothing quite went right after that. Yeah, I think that's, that's exactly it. It, it. it never got rolling. And they needed that training camp because there were so many new faces. And they never got connected. And then when the real game started and it wasn't easy and Rudy was kind of struggling to get incorporated, you saw some of the guys look at it and say, what do we have here? Like, how are we going to do this? And so now you juxtapose that with this year where everyone is healthy, they're feeling good. There's so much familiarity. There's a couple of new guys, but yeah. by and large, everyone knows who they are. So they know their strengths, they know their weaknesses. I just think that they are on much firmer ground collectively as a group. And then the thing that I've noticed, Michael, is that, you know, you talk to the guys, you talk to Finch, you talk to the players, you talk to Tim Connolly, like there is sort of a, uh, a kind of a sense of all business right now. Like they are yeah. not messing around. There's not, they're not telling a lot of jokes. They're not like doing a, the whole vibes thing right now. And in Abu Dhabi, watching those games on TV, it was like the Mavericks were kind of looking at them like, why are these guys trying so hard? Yes. Like, yes. What, what is going on with this? And, yes. And so they, I think that they know collectively that, you know, Rudy Gobert has been criticized a lot. Kat's been criticized a lot. They have, there's a lot of doubt out there. And, and I think they are coming into this with a bit of a chip that's been earned. And you just, yeah. you feel it. In, in practice and, and just in, in what they're doing. And hopefully that chip doesn't go anywhere anytime soon. I mean, this is a talented team, but yet still under the radar. Yeah. And you're always going to be under the radar in the Western Conference. Folks are going to talk about the Lakers more. They're going to talk about the Warriors more. The Clippers, they'll talk about more. Phoenix, they'll talk about more. Sacramento, to a certain extent, will get more pub. Memphis won't have Ja, <laughs> ja Morant for like 25 games. They're still going to be talked about a ton. So that chip isn't going anywhere. And again, I love the enthusiasm, the competitive energy that we're seeing so far in training camp. It's a lot to sustain it over the course of an 82-game season. There will be highs and lows. But one thing that makes me optimistic um, about this upcoming season, another thing in terms of just the chip, last year they were overconfident. Yeah. They got Rudy Gobert, like, oh, you've got this, this big man signing. Everything's going to be fine. And then you get your ass whooped by OKC. And San Antonio. Yep. So this year is funny. Coach, you were there, had a, had a funny quote where um, he was talking about the Western Conference and the games in the West and saying there's, 
it's really no nights off. Yep. I forget the exact word yeah. they use. Yes. But there's no nights off in the Western Conference this season, which might work in our favor because we got our ass kicked on nights off last yeah, season. So we were heatish. We yeah. were shitty on <laughs> nights off last season. Yeah. So right out of the gate, Toronto, you have a big game. Miami's a big game. You have some really tough games out of the gate, but I feel better about the schedule and what I could expect from this team early this season than I did last year when you had OKC three times, San yep. Antonio in there. Some games where, again, if you're not mentally locked in, you can get beat. Yeah, it was supposed to be easy coming out of the gate. Yes. Like we were like, okay, yes. they can start out 10-2 and two while they're figuring things out and it'll be okay. And they did not no, start out 10-2. No, ten and they two. were overconfident. Yeah, and, and, and I do think that it was all about adjustment because like Rudy is used to being the center of the universe in Utah. And he was not that here. And then he did not play well here. And I think that was a big adjustment. And then Cat gets hurt. And then Ant is trying to figure things out. And there was a lack of maturity and a lack of recognition of each other. And yeah. it really just it messed with them big time. And right now, it doesn't look like they have that. Again, we have to see them play. But in the early going, I just think that they have an understanding of who they are and what they have to prove still, and that's probably going to be in their favor. And when they started playing their best basketball as a unit once Cat returned, Nas breaks his wrist. Yes. Yep, Jaden punches a wall. And then Jaden punches a wall. <laughs> and so all of those guys are coming in. You know, Nas didn't play in FIBA World Cup. Jaden didn't play in FIBA World Cup. But they have chips on their shoulder, yeah. too, from how last season ended, and they're yep. coming in with extra motivation. So it's a team that, that looks to play really competitive basketball. We're seeing it in, in practice. And another thing that I'll point out too, and it's really with, um, it's really with Ant and training camp. I remember coming into training camp last year and I was really excited to see Ant. And I was watching, uh, who's standing out to me? I may have mentioned this the last time we were together. Nas stood out to me in training camp last year and Jaden stood out to me in training camp. And there were times I didn't notice Ant at all. Mm. Now when the games were happening, okay, I'm noticing Ant. But in practice, I didn't really notice him out there. This training camp, this is not a visual medium, this is a podcast, so let me try to put this into words. He is playing his ass off, yeah. blocking shots, getting after it defensively, being aggressive on the offensive side of the ball. He's still 22, he's going to make mistakes out there. But just that intensity that I was seeing, he is really standing out in practice, which makes me really excited for what we're going to see on game days. I think I need your voice on my GPS. I think I drive a lot smoother, <laughs> get places a lot calmer. We'll, we'll talk later about that. He needs uh, a little Minnesota accent, though. Oh, like, no, he, he does not. Have, yeah, yeah. No, no he, he really does. He really does not. Minnesota accent. <laughs> no, no, don't. Don't go with a Minnesota accent. Uh, uh, I'll explain later. Uh, if you haven't gotten a ticket for the giveaways, Megan, oh, well, actually, we have it up here. And by the way, thanks to our producers, Brandon Morton and Tony Landry, who are doing this. All the tickets are up here. Come up and just grab one. Uh, and we'll do the giveaway at the end of the show. So we spent a lot of time last year talking about Rudy. I want to talk about what's possible for Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns if they're healthy. Michael, why don't you start us off? Um, Ant was just named by ESPN writers, what, 13th? 13th, yep. 13th best player in the NBA as a 22-year-old. That's awfully impressive. Again, these are the opinions of... ESPN writers, but I, I think that it's founded in good judgment. I think he is one of those guys that on both sides of the ball, and we've only seen a, 
a, a slither of his potential on the defensive side of the ball so far through the three years that he's played in the association. Um, but he is a highly capable player, great one-on-one -on -one defender, physical, great help defender. I think we'll see him block a lot more shots this upcoming season. Um, and so that's what separates him from a lot of guys who are talented. There were folks who wanted to have LaMelo Ball versus Anthony Edwards arguments, and I think those are insane, insane. LaMelo is a fun and entertaining watch and certainly helps the Hornets to a certain extent, but what Ant does on both sides of the ball for his team and his potential there is unreal. So I'm certainly looking for another all-star season for Anthony Edwards. I think the one thing to unlock in his game is his decision-making with passing. He's gonna see a lot of pressure out there, and so the decisions that he makes under duress with the ball in his hands are gonna be a real difference maker for him and whether or not he's gonna be an MVP conversation, which I think he's certainly capable of. Uh, Carl Anthony Sounds looks, he looks locked in. Yeah. Like he really looks locked in. I think playing again in the FIBA World Cup uh, did wonders for him. 24 points per game plus that he had there. And he looks really sharp. His shot is falling. He's looking aggressive out there. His thing again is gonna be defensive side of the ball for sure and what defensive assignments he has. Because when you look at the defense for the Wolves with that starting five, Conley, even at his age, 36, is going to be able to hold his own. You're going to find a matchup that will work for him. Edwards locked in. Jaden McDaniel is one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. And again, Rudy Gobert in the middle is still a, a solid defender and covers the paint well. And so Cat, it just it depends on how this matchup and how things look. And I'm, I'm certainly looking at his potential and what we can see from him on the defensive side of the ball. And then also not getting careless with the rock, um, careless with the basketball, and just making good decisions when finding Gobert inside or finding his teammates. Make the safe play. Don't try to make the highlight play. Um, possessions and taking care of the basketball, really important for this team. And Edwards and Towns are going to be really important in that, in that department. Cat knows what's being said about him. Like, Cat understands more than any... Like, there are, there are players who can shut out outside noise, who can not get bothered by social media, by what a, you know, an ESPN NBA Today show says about him or whatever. Cat is not one of those. He is locked into that. He cares about what people think about him. And you can tell that he is tailoring himself this way in response to some of that. He's been kind of short with the media, kind of vanilla and plain. And that is a very... Um, cu calculated move on his part. He, he's been criticized for what he said and for being colorful and maybe, you know, saying some things that are a little out over his skis. Um, and he's just reined all that back in. And, but on top of that, he is in such great shape from playing with the Dominican Republic. Yeah. And you can feel a whole different level for him when he is in great shape because... He is so naturally talented. Like, even when he came back last season after missing 52 games and he hits the three to, yeah. to win the first game against Atlanta, there are, there are people that doubt his ability to impact winning. There are people that doubt his approach, his personality, and all those things. But when you talk to people afterward, they're like, you know what? This guy is just unbelievably talented. Yes. And so if he can kind of marry his talent with kind of a, a more blinders approach to everything else that surrounds an NBA player and that yeah. is there to distract and is there to 
uh, derail. Um, that's going to be the key. And so if he really is locked in that way, you will see a level of Carl Anthony Towns that we have not seen yet. And he has been much to the um, kind of against what a lot has always been said about him. He has been a very good player in this league at certain stages of his career. And so put those two things together. And I think that mid-season we will see Carl Anthony Towns as there will be people, oh, I didn't know he was that good. Like, I, I did not understand that. I think that's yeah. really possible. Uh, yeah, I think folks are going to be watching Minnesota basketball more than what they have in previous years. And I think folks saw, from a national perspective, what Anthony Edwards did for Team USA and were saying, wow, he's taking his game to another level. This kid is exceptional. But we saw that. We saw that leap after yeah. Carl Anthony Towns went down with that calf injury last season. So we all knew what Anthony Edwards was capable of. But I think it was a great experience for him to be able to lead Team USA. I know they came up short of their goals. But I thought his play was impressive, but it didn't surprise me. Ant, for me, like the key for Ant, I was talking to our guy Frank t uh, last night, and um, he has not won at a high level at, any, le at right. any level yet. So he still has that to prove. And I, I, he knows that. Um, there was nobody that took the Nuggets loss harder last year than Ant. Like he was upset. And he understands that he cannot be perceived where he wants to be perceived until he has that success. But to me, like, the straw that stirs the drink for him is that he is able to make his teammates feel like they are the center of the universe when we all know that he's the center of the universe. Yeah. And, and so... In a genuine way. If there's a difference when you look at the great players, the talented players that have come through here the last 20 years that just haven't clicked yet, it's... Not only is Ant physically unbelievably talented, but like everyone follows him because he deflects the attention. With Team USA, yeah. when, as, soon as, this, as soon as everything turned to him, and like, Ant's the guy, like he's the leader. Ant was very calculated and like, no, it, this is a team game, this is not it. And, and that gets people to respond well. And so that's gonna be the key for him at 22, being able to lead in his way with Mike Conley leading the way he does, Kyle Anderson leading the way he does, and kind of like falling in line with the best player on the team. You said something on a previous show that was really interesting that Ant, as good as he's been offensively, he didn't always have the go-to last second shot. You think he's found that? Yeah. Um, we've seen it a couple times. We see it in USA with the post game a little bit on the baseline, and then you saw it in Abu Dhabi, Michael, with that whatever, you know, spin from hell and, like, <laughs> turn around, jumper, bank. Off the glass, Off yeah. the glass. I mean, it, they're, all of y'all have had fun on the internet with putting the Ant and Michael Jordan, like, meme together. <laughs> but that was, like, a Jordan-esque play. Yeah. And, like, that's the step. Because we, the thing that it's bogged down late in games for the Timberwolves, partly because Ant doesn't have that, he hadn't had that go-to movie. Had a lot of dribble, 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 step back three. But if he can develop one or two where it's like, I'm going to get this shot off and it doesn't matter what you're going to do, and I'm going to make it, like, that opens up an entire level of accomplishment for him and for the team in general and makes it so much harder for them to guard when he can just get to his spot, rise up over someone and knock that little 10, 12, 13 footer down. 
that's that's what the greats have. That's yeah. what Kobe had. That's what Jordan has had. Like that's what all of them do. And I, I've seen signs of that coming together here. Let's open it up for live questions. The headset's right here. Just come right up. Ask a question whenever you like. Uh, just give me a high sign. I'll bring you in. Um, John and I talked about Shake Milton on the last show. I'd like your impressions on him, how important he could be. Uh, he looks, he fits right in with the culture that they're building. He fits right in. Um, he's got a chip on his shoulder. He's a guy that's been, uh, that is super talented, but has been on rosters in Philadelphia where he hasn't been able to showcase that talent. So when I was in Brooklyn and we were facing Philadelphia four times a season and I would see Shake and he would get an opportunity and he gave us buckets every single time he got an opportunity. Again, there's so much you know, guard depth on that roster that he wasn't getting consistent minutes. So to be able to come here and understanding that nobody's given you a roster spot or nobody's given you guaranteed minutes, he's come in with the right attitude, he's brought great competitive energy, and he's really helped guys be better and practice. He's pushing Jordan McLaughlin, and Jordan McLaughlin's pushing him. He's pushing Nikhil Alexander-Walker and, and vice versa. So um, he has been a welcomed addition, a guy who can score when he needs to. They're challenging him to be a better defender, but I really like Shake, and he adds great roster versatility um, to where, again, Finch can go in a number of different ways with his rosters. He can go big, he can go small, and you're going to have confident, capable players out, out there on the floor. And, like, two things to shake. One is, like, when he's legit 6'5", like maybe 6'6". So the size is a big advantage yeah. for him as another one of the big guys that they have, um, being able to get his own shot, do those things. And then secondly, when you look at one of the weaknesses, we talked to Finch about this at practice yesterday, one of the weaknesses of last year's team is they did not have a reliable backcourt scorer off the bench. Jalen Noel was supposed to be that guy. He just did not develop into it, could not handle that role, that responsibility for whatever reason. Um, Shake is, if the, the upgrade from Jalen Noel to Shake Milton is significant. And yeah. so when you talk about putting Shake with Nas Reed coming off of the bench, now you don't have any worries about scoring with that second unit at all. Maybe you, you, you think about defending and all that stuff, but um, you are going to be able to put Anthony Edwards on the bench or Carl Anthony Towns on the bench and bring those guys in and not have to worry about where are the buckets going to come yeah. from. Yes, sir. What's happening, fellas? What's up? Man, um, you guys have talked a lot about Ant and you've talked a lot about Cat, but in my opinion, the, the X factor, and as Dane would say, the low-hanging fruit, is Jaden McDaniels, and you've been at practices, Michael, and I'm wondering, have you noticed that Jaden's been intentional about rebounding, specifically long rebounding, and is he aware that that's his key to getting higher usage and going from maybe 14 points a game to 18 points a game if he can secure those long rebounds and start transition? And then also, have you noticed if, if he's been aware of kind of being intentional about avoiding those those little ticky-tacky touch fouls that he seems to pick up that are easily avoidable if he yeah. just lives to die another day. Yeah, you know, um, Jaden, we have a small sample size. He is nursing an injury right now, and so small sample size. And the little bit that I've been able to see, uh, he just, again, I really marvel at what he's able to do on the defensive side of the ball. And I told him this, you know, when you watch SportsCenter, you see highlights. It's so much offense-oriented. But the things that he does defensively, 
in a one-on-one, how much he demoralizes <laughs> offensive players with how he hounds them um, and just great lateral movement and slipping through screens and that whole thing. It is unbelievable to watch. He's one of the, again, hands down, one of the best young defenders, perimeter defenders in the NBA. And so you're seeing a lot of that. And that's what gets me excited about the defensive side of the ball again with this unit. Offense, it could fluctuate here or there. But if they're locked in defensively, they're going to cause a lot of problems for opponents. And he's a capable scorer. And he's one of those guys, he's found his spot. Yeah. We talked about Ant finding your sweet spot and that whole thing, go-to moves and things like that. Jaden knows his spots. And he is a lights-out shooter from the mid-range. And so I, I, really, I really love seeing him continue to blossom. And almost to a man, when you talk to guys on the team, who's your favorite player? They say Jaden McDaniels, to a man. And, and I really love that about him because there's sacrifice. Jaden is a guy who played in the Pro-Am a year ago with uh, in Jamal, yep. Jamal Crawford, the crossover, and had a 55 or yep. whatever point game. Yep. This kid can score. He can score. And he's on a roster where he doesn't need to score. And how many young guys do we see who are capable of scoring, aren't asked to score, and get frustrated and then cause problems? Who are trying to get money, too. Trying to get money, too. Yep. And Jaden is a selfless kid who's saying, okay, it's Ant, it's Cat, Rudy's going to get his. These guys, I'm, I'm okay just shutting down the best offensive perimeter player on the other team. And I think guys really appreciate that sacrifice. And he plays with a fire. Coach uh, Finch said he's got shit about him, and that's, that's the, probably the best way yep. to put it. And you really have to toe the line when you have that type of fire inside of you, and that's what leads to the ticky-tack fouls. And so he gets a little bit frustrated, and he, then he knocks a guy down. Yep. Gets a little bit frustrated, and then he does something he probably shouldn't do. So... That is going to be a challenge. And I, talk, I did talk to him about this, and, and it's something that he's certainly cognizant of, especially after punching the, the wall last season, that he has to toe that line a little bit better because he's not only hurting himself, he's hurting the team. He's so valuable that you don't want to get yourself checked out of a game simply because you picked up two frustration fouls in two minutes. So he is aware, and that's something that he's working on. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's really kind of a sneaky thing with him because we all look at him, and he does not ever smile, and he doesn't change his expression at all. <laughs> and so you're like, this guy's a robot. <laughs> and, like, he is expressionless. He doesn't have any emotion at all. No, that's not the case. No. Like, he is, gets no. really frustrated. He gets really competitive, and sometimes his emotions get the best of him. And the fouls that he commits are so often frustration fouls yes just a, a a silly shove like a you know i'm gonna swat this guy because i didn't get a call or yeah or whatever yeah. it is and that is the thing that he has to eliminate from his game because he's too important to what they do if he does if he can stay on the court for 28 minutes a night that changes so much and makes them so much yes. more difficult and so he has to understand i think he does like even though he's not Ant and Rudy or Cat as, as far as like the headliner guy, he has that responsibility on him. So like that's what he's got to kind of just cool his jets a little bit that way. Thanks, bro. Thank you, sir. Appreciate, Appreciate it. You. Step right up. And by the way, while you're getting ready, just want to thank our sponsors again. Aquarius Home Services Studio, TSR Injury Law, 612 TSR Time, AllEnergySolar.com, State Farm Agent Tony Hoagland, and Manscaped, and of course Head Flyer for sponsoring the live shows and being a, such a big supporter of the network. Thanks so much. Yes, sir. I think there's something to be said about the intentionalness of how the Timberwolves are taking this training camp in this preseason, and I think it'll carry 
towards that regular season arc. Um, I guess the question for Michael, because you see it more often, with Carl, is he more on his drives? I know he takes it live from that top of the key trail spot. Is, it seemed to me in the past he was more looking to create something, not just like score or pass, but like maybe get a foul call, although he doesn't get a lot. Yeah. Um, it seems to me like he's more intentional in the way he moves with the ball and without. Uh, maybe that has to do something with the DR, um, him playing with the Dominican. Um, I guess that would be my question is, does that look, does he look different in terms of how he's playing offensively and defensively? Yeah, um, and this is, because you've watched more of Carl than I have before I, before I arrived here in Minnesota, but that's one that we'll certainly see in ga- in, on game days. I think in practice I've seen things that are really encouraging, and we know when the lights are on on game day, it's easy to revert back to old ways. So that's something to really track once games really get started. But his decision-making has been solid. His shot-making has been really good so far. And when he's driving, it's in, he's intending to make a basket as opposed to, I'm trying to get a call and I'm going to the hoop with reckless abandon and then getting a turnover because it's an offensive foul or whatever it may be. So I feel like he's also trusting the talent on the roster a little bit more, and that's going to be helpful because you don't need to do everything. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you, you don't need to do everything. So I think that's helping him as well. I'm going to be really interested to see how he handles it because he's talked a lot about how the Dominican experience was energizing for him, kind of reinvigorated like everything about the game for him. But with the Dominican, he was the guy. Like Without question, he got all the shots. Everything ran through him. It's going to be a little bit different here. He's got more talent around him. He's going to have to share that load a little bit. But I also think that he has lost so much in his career um, on the court that there is a yearning inside of him to just be on a really, really good team. And like to just like look at everyone and say, what are you going to say about me now? Like I do think that there is that part of it that drives him and that's why he was trying so hard at the beginning of last year to get Rudy involved. Like, okay, he's here. I'm going to try and make this work. And maybe it was too a detriment, too much. Um, so how he kind of handles being a part of a group and not just running the whole show, but then using a lot of the enthusiasm that he rediscovered with the Dominican to kind of just – have him in a better spirit, I think is going to be big because he is such a vibes guy. Like if he is happy, you feel it and he plays better and that changes a lot. So um, how they keep him involved and then how that early part of getting, sharing with Ant, getting those questions of whose team is it kind of stuff and like handling that in the right way is going to be key for him. Also let you know that all energy solar panel installations are done right and made easy thanks to more than 14 years of experience in Minnesota and beyond. All energy solar is ready to take any solar project, home or business, from design to installation and everything in between. Find out more about going solar at allenergysolar.com slash coach or just go to allenergysolar.com. Uh, thanks also to 
longtime sponsor and friend, Tony Hoagland. He's my state farm agent. He should be your state farm agent. This is your state farm agent, Tony Hoagland. Here's the deal. When you combine state farm home and auto insurance, you save an average of $889 a year. My agency is ready to help you combine home and auto and start saving today. Call 763-421-4900 to start saving. Like a good neighbor, state farm is there. Fellas, can you smell the pumpkin spice in the air? If you haven't, it's fresh face fall. And nobody else can give your face the love it needs other than our friends at Manscaped. That's right, the folks who changed below your belt are here to help with the brand new Handyman Electric Face Shaver. Designed to give your face that smooth finish without the mess of a wet shave, it's the perfect tool for men with all beard lengths. Whether you're lining up your neckline or taking it all off to feel that autumn breeze, make sure you join the 9 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Head over to manscaped.com and use the code ATHLETIC for 20% off and free shipping. Don't be a bad apple this year. Choose Manscaped. Your face is the first thing people see when you walk through the door. Give them something to look at with Manscaped's Handyman. For me, being able to shave up to three days growth without the mess of a wet shave is priceless. With the Handyman Skin Safe technology to help reduce nicks and cuts, you can finally feel confident when going for that close shave. And for my fellas with a little more scruff, Manscaped's Beard Hedger Pro Kit has everything you need to tame your mane. The Beard Hedger is a high-tech piece of art in a travel-sized package with a long-lasting battery, universal charging, and a strong motor. Trust me, gents, you can't go wrong with any of these options. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code ATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code ATHLETIC. All right, uh, I want everybody to give Head Flyer Brewing and the Head Flyer Brewing staff a big hand while John talks with Neil about the business here. Oh, here you are. You got your headphones. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yep. Here's the man of the hour welcoming us in. Neil, just how's everything going here? Yeah, going great. Thanks. Really excited to have you guys. And I think last year we were here, and there's a lot of hope, a lot of excitement. <laughs> um, so this is great to see everybody kind of coming out and get really excited about this season. I think it's going to be great. I love what you guys are talking about. I'm really excited to see how the team performs and really excited to see this like enthusiasm about the team. Obviously, you can come here and watch all the games. We have it on the big projector as well as on the new TVs above the bar. Uh, we brought those in last year just so we get more people who could see the game when they came out to Headflyer. But we got a lot of great beers coming out. We also have one that's new called Wicked Slap Shot. So we do like hockey as well as uh, basketball. So uh, you can get your Wicked Jump Shot. You can get your Wicked Slap Shot. We will look at the analytics to see which sport sells better today. So keep that in mind. Uh, you know, John's time here is really riding on you guys buying some Wicked Jump Shots. So uh, go out and grab some of those. And uh, yeah, it's really awesome to have you guys. We really appreciate it. And appreciate you all coming out and come back for a lot of fun activities over the winter and during the basketball season. Dog friendly. Dog friendly. Dog. We love that. Dog friendly as well. I saw a couple dogs able to sneak in here today, so that was really cool, especially with all the crowds. So, Hey, Neil, yeah. I know that you want to make this kind of a, a, a destination for Timberwolves, for Wild, whatever. Yep. Like, what, what kind of atmosphere do, do people expect on game night when you come in and and, and watch a game here. Yeah, so I think going back to last season, we had a lot of excitement, even some of the playoff games that were a little bit later. Um, you know, it's just, it's a lot of fun. A lot of people who are excited to be, so the more people are here, the more fun that we have. Uh, we have a lot of drink specials. If you buy our really sweet team, uh, Minnesota team gear, uh, you get happy hour pricing during any of the games. So that'll be a great opportunity. If you have that Tim Roll shirt, you come in here, you get $2 off your beer every game. So uh, that's a great opportunity to get a little discount. And just lastly, like this summer or this fall, we had a little gathering at another bar that will not be mentioned and <laughs> we were watching the Vikings game 
and there was a bunch of Timberwolves people there as well, having some drinks, having some, some food, and the game wasn't over, and they were just like, hey, it's time to go. We're, we're closing up. You guys stay open, oh, right? Yeah, for you sure. guys yep. stay open for the whole game. Everyone can kind of hang out. Oh, yeah, for sure. We, like, we got great staff, so like, take care of your staff. They're here. They love kind of watching the games as well. They'll talk trash and watch the game, but yeah, we, we stay open. Uh, the, the game will be on. We're not going to cut it short here. We're not going to turn on Heidi and not get you guys <laughs> out of here, so if any of y'all are as old as me, and uh, you might I get the reference. <laughs> Awesome. All right, give it up for Neil. Thank Thanks for having us. Yeah, cheers. Thank appreciate you. it. Thanks for having Thank us. Thank you. Thanks. We do appreciate it. We'll continue with live questions. Uh, just step right up when you like. As, as, what kind of role does Troy Brown Jr. have on this team? Well, we'll see. Like, I, I, I don't think he's in the rotation right now. Um, I think Finch has said that he's about at a nine-man rotation with this group. Um, I think with three bigs the way that it is, it's harder to be a little more flexible and get to 10 or 11 guys. But I do think that there are going to be nights where you're going to need him, whether it's injury, whether Jaden is in foul trouble. Um, there are going to be times where they're going to have to dust him off, get him in there. And he has played a role with the Lakers of understanding how to play around stars, what his role is. And, and so I think he, he fits in nicely. But at the start of the season, probably going to be some DNPs until, like, in case of emergency break last for him. Big body, um, and he's looked good in training camp. Uh, he's knocked down shots. He's been aggressive. Um, again, him being locked in on the defensive side of the ball will certainly play a factor in minutes as well. Um, but I like what I've seen from Troy Brown, and again, adds versatility to this roster when Finch wants to go deep. Yes, sir. Yeah, kind of Mad piggy dog. Hey, how you doing? Yes. How you doing, John? Um, kind of piggybacking off the DMP injury question. I know Finch has an, uh, an ideology on what he wants his team to look like identity-wise. Um, I know last year, John talking at this event, it was when other teams go small, we're going to stay big. Um, and listening to a lot of podcasts around the area this coming year, it's been where we have a defensive intensity that's going to stand out. Uh, my question would be, do you think there's a prioritization on either of those two disciplines? And should one of the big three bigs, since they're going to dominate minutes-wise with Rudy, Cat, and Nas, do you think they stay big? And Luca Garza, for instance, comes in and takes the lion's share of that, like, 15, 18 minutes? Or do you think they adjust on the fly and a guy like Troy Brown, or they play more, more on wing-oriented? Yeah, I think if, if, they, if they have an injury, I think they go much more matchup-related, depending on the night. Um, but what they've said this offseason that I agree with is they want to play big, like last year, but they have to act big. Like, they did not do that enough last season. Like, the, the rebounding, rebounding was terrible. 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 And, and, you, and despite all of this size that they had on the court a lot last season, you looked at it and said, they're not using that to their advantage enough. Um, maybe they're worried about getting back in transition, and so they're not going to the offensive glass. Finch has said, no, we're going to pound the offensive glass now. And I do think, like, you saw a little bit of that in the Dallas two Dallas games, where, like, the Mavericks are small, and they looked really small against the Timberwolves. And so, there has to be more of an embrace of, yeah, we have some weaknesses, but we have to use our strengths to just overpower those weaknesses. And so, I do think that you're going to see them play with more of a, an emphasis on trying to use all of that length and all of that size 
on the rebounding to improve that and, 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 and take advantage of it that way and then use that defensively as well with all the ground that they can cover in the half court. This piggyback, I mean, you said it well. They were big last year, but they didn't play big. And so that's going to be really important. Transition defense is going to be really important. But just what I've seen on the court, defense is a big, big emphasis. Um, I have no idea. Toronto could score 120 in that. I have, I have no idea. But what I've seen in camp so far, this looks like a really good defensive team when they're locked in. And that's not a bad thing to hang your hat on. Offense will, it, it'll work itself out. You have capable scores. You're going to have droughts offensively. But one thing that you can do is lock in on the defensive side of the ball, block guys out, get rebounds, get running again. And I think that's been a big point of emphasis so far. And to me, it's really exciting to see. Yeah, and I think on, on top of that, like, I also think that it's also an acknowledgement that, hey, you know, the offense has not been easy. Like, and there are going to be nights, especially where Rudy, Cat and Ant are just tripping over each other or, like, they're trying to find that synergy to get good looks and knock them down. And I think last year they were very surprised at how difficult offense was to come by. You'd go into the locker room and Ant would be a little frustrated or there'd be guys that are just trying to, like, I don't know where my shots are coming from or how I get them. And maybe I think there will be smoother offense this season, but I also think that they know that, hey, we're not going to be a top five offense, but we can be a top five defense. And that's how yeah. you do it. And the funny thing about that is there were frustrations on the offensive side of the ball last season, but this is why the defense is so important. Yeah. They still set offensive records. Yeah. Yeah. Even with Cat out of the lineup, <laughs> injuries, all that, in Timberwolves history, they set offensive records last season. So with frustration that things just weren't clicking. So take care of things on the defensive side of the ball. Lock in on that end. You're going to be able you're going to be fine offensively, even with the highs and lows. Good question. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Where's Steve? Steve, you want to come up and hijack the show? <laughs> it's about Go to ahead. pick up. It's Go about right to pick up here. <laughs> All righty. First, thank you guys so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for coming. Um, after everything you've seen in the preseason, it seems like there's seriously some big hype on this team. Yeah. Do you guys think we could be a legitimate top four contender in the West? Do you, do you see, like, this is East Hennepin right here, right? <laughs> yeah. So the, this is where the parade route starts. <laughs> We're gonna, they're going to stage... In the parking lot. All right. Go out here, go take Hennepin all the way down into downtown, and that's where it's going to end, is right at Target Center. So get ready for that. <laughs> uh, I, I think what I've said is, like, I think this team has the most variance of almost any team in the West. So I think that there's a scenario you look at, everything comes together, they stay healthy, and at the end of the season, you're like, holy cow, they are the third seed, they're the second seed, and they're in, they have home court advantage in the first round, and you all are going to be at Target Center going freaking crazy for game one of the first round. Now, there's also a scenario where OKC comes up, Sacramento stays hot, like uh, the Lakers are good, and the Wolves just don't quite click, and then they're battling for playing. I think, like, you know, ESPN's put out some projections where you know, the Wolves are second in the West with 47 and a half wins. Like, there's not going to be a 58-win team in the West. So it's going to be, like, maybe low 50s to, to mid 40s is going to be where everyone is jockeying. And so remember last year where you remember like they won this game. Oh, they're, they're in sixth. They lost the next day. They're in 11. Yep. And I yep. think there's going to be a yep. lot of that going on this year. But they, from a talent standpoint, they can do it. It's just like, are they going to put it together? I, I say um, 
anything less than top six is a disappointment. Yeah. I, I think... Um, Tim Connolly said it, right? Yeah. Like, you have to win a playoff series. That's the mark. Yes, absolutely. And, again, I know that there's a logjam in the West. I know there's talented teams. We mentioned the Lakers and Golden State and Phoenix and Sacramento and Memphis and others. I don't care. I, the Timberwolves should be a top six team. And one thing to keep an eye on, for sure, I know we haven't played games yet, but last year I felt like they got too um, overconfident. They were feeling themselves based off of what they did on paper. Oh, we have Rudy Gobert, we're fine. And then you get cooked by OKC in San Antonio. I think this team has an opportunity to be really good and have a long stretch of wins. Now, how do you handle that success? Yeah. How do you handle that? You know, is, 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 are all the guys, the egos, are able to keep those in check and keep this train rolling? That'll be something to keep an eye on because we, that's something we haven't seen with this group um, for quite some time. So if they go on a run and they're playing really well and all of a sudden they're getting love on ESPN, they're asking Ant for interviews on SportsCenter, Cat is on first take, all these guys getting love, how do you, how do you handle that? And um, again, I know we haven't played games yet, but I think there's a real potential uh, for this team to look really good this season, and I'm really curious to see how they handle that. I don't Thanks think we question. need a uh, uh, personal injury lawyer here. We're real excited, I'm sure. <laughs> but just as a fan, I'm just a fan tonight. But what I'm happy about is people are talking about expectations and playoffs, and I'm glad, Michael, you said that. Like, we got to stop expecting to barely make it. We should be having a home playoff series. Mm -hmm. And anything less than that is a catastrophe. Yeah. Yeah. Now, just to be fair... I've been thinking this since Tom Gugliotta was playing. <laughs> Every year I'm like, oh, we're going to the playoffs. But everything that you've talked about, I mean, it's so deep in the way that the team is unfolding. Like, I just think we need to embrace these expectations and go forward. Now, here's the thing. I've taken okay, over. Okay, here we go, here we go, here. So I have right. a list of real questions because we got Mr. Soft, Softfoot the over here. The airing of grievances has started in Festivus, right? <laughs> no, we're not going to air any grievances. <laughs> but what I want to know is why uh, Jaden has not signed a new contract. So please inform us of this Mr. Inside Guru. Jaden McDaniels wants a lot of money. And What's he, a lot of money? 150? Well, Devin Vassell signed for 135, right? And I think like that's the floor for Jaden McDaniels. And I think he wants more than that as he should. He's accomplished more on better teams than Devin Vassell has. And I do also see the Wolves are saying, "Hey, you know, like you still haven't Gone. You're not Anthony Edwards yet. You haven't made an all-star team. You still got some things to prove in this league. And so I think there's a little bit of a disconnect right now between what Jaden wants and what the Wolves so far are willing to pay because anything that they pay uh, Jaden above Devin Vassell is projecting into the future. Now, I think the vast majority of Timberwolves fans would say, just give him the money because he's going to be great. And I actually lean that direction as well. I think he's going to be a phenomenal player in this league. But I also think that the way that the CBA sets up where if he, they don't get a deal done and he's a restricted free agent next year, they'll just match whatever offer that he gets. And so I think that there's an ability to have a prove-it year that Jaden might want so he can actually go even above $30 million a year and that the Wolves might want just in case – it levels off a little bit and brings that down because of Cat and Ant and Rudy and all the money that they're paying. They have to be extra careful with the third player and the fourth player on this team to, to kind of put things together. 
Well, Michael, you were talking about like all the little things that he does, but for 150 million, you better be doing some big things. But that's and, it. And this is where I get yeah. a little nervous. Like, and you know, you, you kind of hear in the community like there's only so much money with the cap, and then you start yeah. losing picks, and and I just wonder like legit how much can they pay him before we start? You can't just say pay him. Everyone here is yes. like pay him, although no one's coming up with any money. Yeah, <laughs> right. But then someone's got to go. Hey, you're helping with that, though. Yeah. I can, I, my sponsorship I is killer. <laughs> I would say if we started a pot on a Keep Jaden fund, I yeah. think we would do okay. Yeah. I, I, think yes. would, I think we would do okay. I, I say I, I, I'm a big fan of Jaden McDaniels. Big fan of Jaden McDaniels. And to have someone on your roster, again, that's selfless, who wants to do the dirty work out there on the court, um, I, think it's, I think it's invaluable. Unfortunately, you, there is a budget, <laughs> but... I am firmly in favor of figuring things out so you can keep him long-term. But are you nervous that if he gets into the season without a contract and now he's like a prove-it, that a little bit of that selflessness... Because, you know, sometimes scoring... I think he understands where his bread is going to be. Yeah. Okay. And, and I so think this is a brotherhood in this locker room, too, where I just don't see him getting out of, out of whack with this, with this... Again, I could be wrong... But I just don't think with this group, he's going to get out of whack. But it also, like, it also does speak to the importance of this season. Like, this is the prove-it season for this core. Like, Kat, Ant, Rudy, Jaden, like, all of these guys, if they have a great season, if they advance deep in the playoffs, everyone's getting paid, everyone's coming back. If it does not work, then there's going to be major, major changes, whether it's at the trading deadline or whether it's in the summer. Whether that's Kat going, whether it's Rudy going, whether they try to use Jaden as um, a piece to go get something else, like Nas Reed, like all of these factors are in play right now. And I still think that as optimistic as we have been on this podcast, there are huge questions about where exactly is the ceiling for this team. And you will find out this season what that is. They will either hit it or break through it or fall very short of it. And that's going to dictate how much money they spend and where they spend it yeah. and so like there's this little kind of they're in this little purgatory area right now and that's i think part of the thing that's also struggling with the like to take some of the urgency out of the Jaden negotiations it's like hey we'll just kick this can down the road till after this season and then really see what we have have either of you talked to rudy gobert about just catching the basketball <laughs> i have not I've Michael? Not. I have not. <laughs> That's all you're going to say? <laughs> it was a yes or no question. Okay, well, let me, let me do a... Yeah, come on, a lawyer. Bad lawyer. Come on, attorney. Yeah, let's go. We're going to start the deposition. Because um, last year, everyone's excited, yeah. and I'm sitting in my seat, right, for our law firm, and I'm like, the first time he tried to jump, I'm like, what's going on? It was shocking. Yeah. I don't know if it was out of shape, bad knee. And then, you know, Finch is like, we're, we're going to unplug him, and he's yeah. going to be this, off, like, Shaquille O'Neal... And then the first time I saw him do a low post move, I was like, he looked like a baby giraffe. I was not sure what was happening. And you're new and you had to see it. I mean, you might not be able to admit it because, you know, you're part of the family. But we got to just be say, honest here. It was a disaster. And he can't catch the ball and he couldn't jump. He did seem a little bit better. But, like, honestly, is it just being more comfortable, more in shape? You know, he got the football jug machine and caught 100 balls a day. Yeah, you know, he had, a, he had a knee injury at the start of camp that was bothering him up until the All-Star break. Also had a groin injury at one point. 
So he was certainly hampered by things that he wouldn't make excuses for. He told me that he didn't start to feel really good until after the All-Star break. Got here? Uh, it was it, it <laughs> coincided with it with Conley coming because that Conley made his groin feel better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So amazing how he does that. But all, I mean, but this is something that's not talked about. One of the things that Conley did when he stepped in was he damn near gave guys a tutorial on how to give the ball mm -hmm. to Rudy Gobert and understanding that you just can't flip him the ball in any sort of scenario. You and mean like D'Lo, like? You said it. You said it. I didn't. You said it. Yeah, throwing it at his ankles. We got to be honest here, Jim. We got to be honest. I'm unfriends. But it's not one-sided. He can't catch. It's also how you give him the basketball. So if you flip it at his feet and he's seven foot two or whatever it is, your chances of catching it are not that great. So yes, handwork extremely important. Finishing extremely important. Finishing strong extremely important. But your teammates and how they get you the ball. Ant couldn't make a pass to him last season. Nope. So it's, it's not one-sided, it's how you deliver the basketball. And that's one of the things I've been asked, I've been asked quite a bit about who could have a, you know, a big year or whatever it is. I think just based on the perception of Rudy last year, he could have a, a big leap in the, in the right direction this upcoming season, simply because guys have a better understanding of how to play with him and give him the ball. He still has to catch it, still has to finish it, to your point, but I think the guys are going to do a better job of, of getting him the ball. One of the things that was so interesting last year was that if you put Rudy here and Nazareed here and you watch how the teammates reacted to both of them, to playing with both of them, it was so different because Rudy's mistakes are so ugly. Like, whether he's bobbling a ball, he's missing right at the rim, he's late closing out and there's a 5'10 guy that's scoring on him. Like those things are like glaringly obvious mistakes. Uh, Nas Reed is so talented and skilled, handling the ball, finishing at the rim, shooting it. And so teammates would see him and be like, bro, I love playing with this guy because I can see right here like the highlights and the skill is evident. It's dripping off of his body. Everything Rudy does to help a team is so much more subtle in general. He's not swatting a shot into the fourth row, but he's being in the right spot when someone comes off of a pick and roll to deter them to go somewhere else. And it's harder to pick up on that. And so I do think that Rudy had a very difficult time, especially early, gaining the trust of his teammates and like having them really understand the impact that he would make. But I will, I've also said it, they would not have made the playoffs last year if they did not have Rudy Gobert. And with Cat with, with, uh, out as long as he was, he really did stabilize things and won yeah. some games for them, defensively especially. But um, he has a long way to go from earning the trust of his teammates, especially Ant, throw me the ball. In, in the Denver series, Ant would not throw him the ball because he was like, he's not going to catch it. And so that has to improve for them to take the next step and for Rudy to kind of say, hey, last year was kind of, it wasn't me getting old, it was just like the acclimation year. Well, that's part of the, the problem with certain players who might not be around anymore is that when you kind of infect this negativity mm -hmm. and then something does bad happen, you then look through those glasses and then yep. it becomes more true and then you got players who don't want to pass and yep. then it just yep. it kind of no keeps going which is a problem um yeah. the one thing that was kind of cool about ant is that uh, on team usa is they legit were like you're the alpha mm -hmm. which was awesome 
having grown up with the Detroit Pistons bad boys, which is probably the best team that's ever played in the NBA. <laughs> um, but I, I do believe, you know, you just look at teams. There's all, there does seem to have to be a pecking order. Yeah. And I know earlier you're like, oh, well, it's Mike Conley, and it's, you know, but come on. Conley? What do you mean pecking order with Conley? No, no, just, like, who's the leader, who's the peck, like, oh. like you, there's Jordan, there's Kobe, there's Larry Burr. Like, at some point, there is a true pecking order. And I think one thing that when Ant comes in and he's kind of doing his thing, and then I know Cat was hurt, but even before that, Cat didn't seem to, like, want to fight about that. Like, who's yeah. the Batman, who's the Robin? But I'm just curious, do you believe there has to be a true pecking order? And or how old does Ant have to be before he is the alpha? I, from, from what I've seen in, in practice so far, Ant has established himself as that guy without it being said. And this is just based off of the things that I'm seeing him do on the court, how vocal he is, and how guys are responding to him. Cat has been tremendous. He's not as, he's not as vocal. Um, he's, he's looked really good in training camp practices. But Ant has kind of put his stamp on everything. And he's had his moments. Finch has gotten on Ant. Finch has gotten on a lot of guys. But again, Ant is still going to have his mistakes out there. But in terms of just putting your stamp on practice, which is something you always would expect from a Mike or a Kobe to, your, to the examples you just gave, Ant has certainly been that guy. Now, from Cat's standpoint, this isn't Batman or Robin. This is Batman and Batman. And Ant's going to have off nights where you have to step up and be the guy. Um, and so it's, it's certainly a give and take. But from a vocal standpoint, getting after your teammates, challenging your teammates, Ant has really been that guy. Kyle is a real vocal guy in practice. Conley's a real vocal guy in practice. It's great to have veterans that you can lean on, given the ups and downs of an 82-game season. But Ant, to me, has certainly established himself as, again, not in a negative way, because sometimes you bring this up, and then folks will go to Cat and go, it's no longer your team, yeah, bro. Yeah, 100%. What's yep, going that's no, that's, that's BS. You know, yep. so... Um, Ant has established himself, but Cat is a huge part of the success of this basketball team. Jimmy Butler came here and said, this is my freaking team. You do things my way, and if you don't, I'm going to run your ass over, and I'm going to run your ass out of here. And that worked in Miami. It's done a great job. He's done all of that. It did not work here, and Cat does not like to be spoken to that way. Um, and Ant is so, for being 22 years old, and we kind of watch how he does interviews, and he's so authentic, but he's so young, he has this real emotional intelligence, and he understands how to make Cat feel like really valued, and hey, you're the big brother here. I look up to you, I, I know you're talented. We need you, big fella. Like, you're my guy. Yeah. I'm with you all the way. But also, if someone comes to you, like the Miami game two years ago, and um, he, Kat's having trouble, he's like, no, I got this. Like, I'm, I have your back. And I also can inflict my will on this team. And that's the way that Ant operates. And that's why Kat really respects him. And that's why the two get along. And that's why I don't think it's, a ish, it's an issue right now of the Ant-Cat thing. I think that... They like each other, and they know that they need each other to win. When do we get the um, Manscape at? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll bring that in. We'll, we'll, we'll just drop that you in. You want me to read the, the Manscape ad? Yes, please. 
<laughs> Give me a script, I'll read it. Send me a check. Yep. Thanks, Steve. Steve was one of our first big sponsors, TSR Injury Law. He got us off the ground. We will always appreciate that. He's also a great guy, and he knows his hoops. Your turn. Okay. So my question is, we haven't really had this level of player continuity from one season to another since, like, Cat being drafted. How does having almost all of the key pieces from last season back correlate to the intensity you're seeing in practice? Go ahead. You start. Um... Give me that one more. I'm, oh, she, she so that. continuity. Be, Basically, like, how continuity, does the continuity what? correlate to practice the intensity that you see in practice? I, I think it's everything. Um, one of the things, and when I was in when I was in Brooklyn, and they signed Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, that everybody felt that they were going to win a championship um, right away. And one of the things that Steve Nash talked about was, yeah, we have guys who have won championships, but we haven't done anything together. And one of the things that we don't have that teams like the Celtics and other teams that have been around each other longer is that shared experience of playing high-level, intense basketball and in pressure situations. We can be in a practice setting and feel like, okay, we understand each other to a certain extent, but when you're in a playoff setting and the intensity is so high, the nerves are so high, the pressure is so high, I don't necessarily know how you're going to respond in that yeah. situation. I don't know how you're going to respond. So you really need those I playoff know, experiences. I'm going to choke. Okay, all right. So we're not giving him the basketball yeah, yeah, yeah. in those situations. <laughs> but you need to go through it I, to understand those things. I'm here for take things. fouls. That's all I do. <laughs> so you have to go through those battles to really understand how you're going to respond. And then you have failure. And then you bounce back together. And then that, that shared experience becomes really important. And so last year, again, it was... It was chaos. Again, injuries, everything that was going on, the newness of it. Now there's that shared experience to a certain extent, and I think that that's going to make the team that much better. And I think it's helping the continuity in practice. Guys genuinely like each other, and it's been, it's been fun to see so far. I, I asked Kyle Anderson about this uh, a couple days ago, and, and I thought it was interesting because he said that the familiarity has a things. That's why they played so hard in Abu Dhabi. Like, they play together and they understand each other and they understand kind of where they're at in the ecosphere of the NBA so that they've, they've bonded closer and it's easy for a team to play harder when you know each other and when you care about who the person next to you is and when you know that kind of a lot of your perception and a lot of your future hangs in the balance on how your teammates are going to react and how you guys are going to play together and so like not only maybe has Michael seen it in practice where we don't get to see practice very much, but like when you see it in the game and how far hard they go, it's because like they know each other and they look at the projections and, and they look at all these things and, and how they are being overlooked. And it's like, hey, there's no one that we can lean on besides each other. And so let's yeah. go and, and let's make it happen. And last thing I'll say on that is understanding your role is so important, and that's something that I'll talk about a lot, especially on game days and practices or whatnot. Nas could have gone to another team and signed for a decent amount of money and been a starter. Instead, he decided to return and was happy and excited about returning, knowing that he's going to be a six-man. And that type of approach, that type of attitude, is really gonna help this basketball team. Again, Jaden understanding his role. Nikhil Alexander-Walker coming off a bronze medal. 
anything I can do to help this basketball team out, I'm going to do. Cat understanding what he needs to do as a, as a, as a key player on this roster. Rudy understanding, you're, you know, you're not Shaq. You know, we need you to clean up, do dirty work. When we do give you the ball, we want you to deliver. Um, Conley understanding his role. Kyle Anderson could start for a lot of teams in this, in, this, in this league, and he's not griping about coming off the bench. And so understanding the roles and checking egos is certainly helping the continuity too. All right, let's put you on the spot. You do get to see practice where we don't. Give us an insight that you've gotten from practice that you are allowed to tell us about. I mean, I've been kind of littering it throughout the, um, yeah. throughout the podcast. Just the, the competitive energy has been unbelievable. I mean, it's been really fun to see, and they're doing drills that really bring the competitive energy out of guys. It's not simply we're working on this or whatever it may be. They're mixing in their offensive schemes that they're wanting to run into competitive energy um, providing um, um, exercises and challenges and competitions. So I, I think that's been fun to see. There's been an edge in every practice. I think the first training camp practice was eh, kind of, you know, kind of light, just kind of welcome back. Second practice, I'm not saying guys were ready to square up, but it was that type of competitive energy out there on the court where you're really battling with the guy to not give him an inch. And that's how you get better. And that's why they looked so much better than the Mavericks. I don't know what the Mavericks are doing in training camp. <laughs> yeah, I, agree. I don't know. They're having a good time. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't look like they're really working or battling or competing hard. So I'm low on the Mavericks. Um, but our guys look like they've been really, really pushing each other. And that's how, that's how these practices have looked so far. I really love the drills that I've seen them, them do in practice because it's really bringing out that competitive energy. All righty. Let's uh, get a final thought from the gentleman. Once again, thank you all for coming out. We do appreciate it. Remember to come by Head Flyer Brewing on game days. Uh, remember to drink what John Krasinski's Wicked Jump Shot. Wicked Jump Shot. Wicked That's Jump Shot. Spot. Try that out. It's, it served John well, I think. It's working. Yes, Yeah. absolutely. I can, I can confirm there's alcohol in it, so yeah. So we're going to start with a final thought from Michael on anything you like, NBA or Timberwolves related. Um, I'm just, I, I just want to say, you know, off-season over, being back in the community is exciting, and I'm just really excited about seeing all your faces at games this season. I really think that there's something special happening with this team, and the funny thing about saying that is, you guys have all probably heard that headed into most seasons with, <laughs> with the Timberwolves. Um, but honestly, I'm really seeing something, and I just hope the team stays healthy. And this is a, this is a community, this is a fan base that really deserves something special. And I, I really hope that we see it this season. And if this team is healthy, I think we are going to see some really special things. And to make Target Center a difficult place for an opponent to play and again, I, I've had just a number of roles in the NBA. I was a PA announcer, and I do believe, this is when I was in Indiana, and I do believe that the fan base makes a factor in games. The guys have to perform. They have to give you something to cheer about. Um, but, but we can all make Target Center a very difficult place for opponents. And I think that factor, the team playing well, staying healthy, the fan base being raucous, um, uh, is, is going to make Target Center again a very, very exciting place to watch games this season. So I hope to see everybody out. It's really good to see you all, and I'm really looking forward to this season. We'll get a final thought from John. Remember, stay around after the show is over. We will then do our drawing and give away all the fabulous gifts. And John might even do like an impromptu Manscaped ad just for you personally. Why not, huh? A little freestyle Manscaped? <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right, John, final thought. I'm just going to say thanks to everyone for coming out. Um, you know, this is my 20th season doing this. There have been some very, very... 20 seasons. Very, Come on, man. Uh, my guy. Very lean years. Um, very, 
There's been some frustrating years. Uh, I know you all deserve it. Like, um, I always try to represent you, your voices, and, and speak up for you guys when people don't give kind of the attention that is deserved for you all um, and, and how much you have been through. And so more than anything, more than any business that I would gain by, by having a good season, more than how much fun I would have writing uh, about a team that, that wins at a high level, you guys absolutely deserve to celebrate and to have fun and to hang from the chandeliers. And um, if that does happen, I'll try to hang from the chandeliers with you. And I will stay back after this um, for any Q&A. If you guys are nervous and didn't want to be online, just come up and say hello. Uh, let's take some pictures. Let's ha uh, have a few more beers and, and answer some questions or do whatever you want. But thanks so much for coming out and thanks for supporting us and thanks to Headflyer for doing this for us. Uh, Michael Grady, John Krasinski, thank you all. We do appreciate it. Please give them a hand and thanks again to our guys, Bren and Tony. So thank you. Drive safe. It's